Bart. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Jock Jayhawk. Wow. What a second half performance by the Kansas Jayhawks last night in the national championship game as they rally from being down by 15 points at halftime. They were outplayed, outcoached, and outclassed in that first half. And it looked like the Tar Heels we're going to roll to a national championship victory. But credit Bill Self, the veteran coaching came into play. And the team that had a bunch of veterans on it, including the starters from that team three years ago that many thought was going to win the national title but never had a chance because the tournament was canceled due to COVID, That experience and the veteran coach proved to be the difference as they rally to win the national title last night inside the Caesar Superdome. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parch Third. I'm joined here inside the studios by the producer extraordinaire, chair dancing champion, extraordinaire and hopefully rebounding with her bowling extraordinaire the one and only Hannah five names good morning good morning oh you got a little bit of a pep in your step did you bounce back during the league play last night (laughs) no or did losing to rp3 and tp1 has now got you off your mojo you lost your mojo on the lanes well, I mean, our whole team really lost our mojo, but then again, we were, you know, the team that literally is called Team 33, never changed their name, uh, they played their best game, of course, against us. We won zero points last night. Zero. Laid the goose egg, did you? Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. I see. Yep. Even had a guy that was establishing last night, and then... um I go to write scores, and then we realize in the third game, hey, you get to establish tonight. So then I had to redo the entire score sheet again. So that was fun. I was like, I don't have work to do when I get home. I don't have to eat dinner still. It's fine. I'll just sit here and rewrite all these numbers. Okay. I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah. You could have simply ate dinner before you went bowling. Okay. 
And it's not like you were on an oil platform putting out a fire. Just saying. You could have ate while you were at the bowling alley as well. They don't like us eating food uh, outside. Nor do I want to spend the $10 on But you could have ate before salad. you went to the bowling alley, no, correct? Five o'clock is too early for me for eat dinner. Mm-hmm. 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 I see. I see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's fine. I had some noodles with some grilled chicken and a fried egg. Okay, that had some corn dogs. It was fine. <laughs> so, walk me through this again. You had what to eat? I had some ramen noodles. Yeah, they're ramen. With, okay, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> with some grilled chicken uh-huh. and a fried egg on top. Okay, okay. All right. And he had corn dogs. Yes. Why didn't you y'all eat the same thing? Well, I didn't want corn dogs. And he doesn't care for noodles that much. And so it was quick, it was quick easy dinner. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all mine was on the stove. All of his was in the microwave. So took about Microwave six corn dogs? Minutes. Yes. <sighs> minute and a half. Flip. Minute. Done. Is that is that punishment for him not leading you guys to victory? Did you guys decide to punish yourself no. with that meal? No. He literally asked me in third game. He said, "Hey, uh, I said, <laughs> what about dinner tonight? Corn dogs, <laughs> microwave <laughs> corn dogs at ten o'clock at night. Not exactly. That's not it's exactly nine thirty. Oh, I'm sorry. That man, lo- hey, that man loves corn dogs. Don't play with him. He <laughs> a half hour makes all the difference in the world. My apologies yes. for that." <laughs> Yes, to the last hour to go and do all my clips. It was fine. Oh, uh, let's get to what you're trying to avoid to talk about because we don't really. It doesn't really matter to us what you were eating for dinner, or complaining that you didn't get to have dinner until nine thirty at night when you chose not to eat until nine thirty at night. That's your decision. Uh, that's every, that's every okay? Monday. Every it's Monday not, we eat dinner that late. It's not as if you were on a chain gang and weren't allowed to have something to eat. Okay, so let's stop. No, right we there. eat dinner at like seven thirty eight most nights. It's just Monday nights we don't. We let's get, get to the real. Thing that you need to divulge to everyone chopsticks and knives once you go ahead and do the little psa now and explain to people why there's a difference just letting you know and they're not the same thing but by, by the way is that they were the same thing is that i didn't realize that you know the knives by the way guys psa knives are sharp they will cut you <laughs> I barely even tapped the knife, so I thought. There was a wrapper for chopsticks, so I thought it had chopsticks in it. So I went to go grab the chopstick, like the wrapper or whatever, to go grab them, and it was not in there. It was just the wrapper. I don't know why I left just the wrapper inside of the the drawer, first of all. And second, for some reason, these extra knives that we've, uh, I guess you could say collected. Oh, of we just course. have random knives now. Of course, yes, um, yes, yes, yes. We've changed the knives multiple times since we moved to the apartment. Yes, yes. Uh, they only have a cover on the very tip of the knife. The rest of the knife, nah, free range. You can't cut yourself. I barely even touched the knife, so I thought. And then I was like, oh, I'm bleeding. Yes, <laughs> and then came the random photo of you showing your band-aided wound yes. to all of us on Glad the group you know text. That, you know, knives are sharp, guys. It was a good night for you. It was fantastic. It was a good. It was a good night for you. Oh yeah. Uh, loss at bowling. Cut yourself. As Raymond noodles for dinner. 
<laughs> doesn't go to bed till midnight because my eyeballs are like, no, you're not going to sleep. You're going to sit there and stare at the pillow. Then I wake up late because apparently when you let your phone update overnight, the alarms turn off. So I have no alarms. Didn't have them yesterday either. So it's been a great two days already. <laughs> it's, it's, and, the, you know, it's, it's only Tuesday. Yeah. And, you know, I even like all of my clips that I made yesterday, all of them have uhs and ums in them because I was worried about making sure I had the audio part. Did I care that there's uhs and ums from all of the coaches? No, didn't care. Just making sure we had audio. How you doing? You doing okay? I don't know. You doing okay? Myself feel better. I have granola bars and some <laughs> organic gluten-free Cheeto things. Oh, that that sounds amazing. Yeah, with some water. That's my great breakfast today. It does not. It does not. Can I go home yet? <laughs> it just started. Five names. I know. Get it together. Get it together. Get it together. You need. Uh, it's early in the morning for me to have you give you a halftime pep talk, but apparently I need <laughs> to pull uh, to be to perform my best Bill <laughs> self impression to get you fired up and get you ready to finish out the show that we we haven't even hit the first commercial break. It is fine. Am I here? Yes. Am I alive and dressed for the day? Yes. Which luckily is- I don't need a belt for my pants, so. I can't feel like Belt already on. Look at you. I know. Someone's winning the morning. Well, at least one of us is. As long as one of us is, we'll be fine. So, um. Yeah, Kansas. Kansas, they won the championship. Yes, they uh, did. That happened. Yes. 15-point halftime deficit. They outscored North Carolina 47-29 to in the second half. Like, that is just ridiculous for the 72-69 win. It is the largest halftime deficit ever overcome in a title game. No one has ever rallied for more to win the championship game, ever. That's a new record now set by the Jayhawks. Historic comeback. Bill Self gets title number two. You know, and he's won a ton of games. And they have dominated the Big 12 ever since he's been there. You know, he was the man brought in to replace Roy Williams, who was leaving Kansas after a long time to go back home. And Roy went back home to North Carolina to take over the Tar Heels and won a couple national championships with them. Bill Self now won a couple national championships at Kansas. A game... North Carolina got itself in trouble. It got it was had a couple guys hobbled, but also had a couple guys get into foul trouble, and that played a huge role in this. But I mean, you had people, and I saw it on social media last night. You had people just tuning out at halftime. They're like, "This is over," and I just told a friend of mine, I was like, "Basketball is all about runs." There's never a lead where you go, oh, that's that's too much. 15 points feels like it's too much. But if you've covered enough basketball, in particular enough college basketball, you know 15 points can evaporate in a hurry. And that's exactly what Kansas did. I mean, they came out in the second half and punched North Carolina in the mouth. And the Tar Heels had no answer. None. And that 15-point cushion that they had all of a sudden just evaporated in a hurry. 
in a hurry. And credit, once again, Kansas. Credit North Carolina for establishing themselves early. They looked like they were going to absolutely roll to an easy win. They were aggressive. They came out. They just got after it. Got after it. I mean, and you thought, okay, 15-point halftime lead. This is what they've been doing all tournament long, Hubert Davis's team. Remember, they won their first game versus a nine seed by 32 points, then led a one seed by 25. That game eventually, of course, went to overtime, which they held on to win against Baylor. And then they, then they led a number one seed in the championship game by 15 at halftime. 15 by halftime. And you're like, whoa, what's going on? Did not expect it. Did not expect it to be that one-sided in the first half. But in the second half, it took Kansas maybe seven, seven and a half minutes to take that 15-point lead and cut it down to one. They came out focused. They made their halftime adjustments. Bill Self talked them up, coached them up. That's where the veteran coach comes in. Look, they both have immensely talented rosters. They both have veteran players on this roster, on, on each one. Kansas a little bit more so than North Carolina. But that's where the more veteran roster and the more veteran coach made the adjustments, used that experience of being there and doing that to his advantage, and he got his guys to come out and execute. Just unbelievable. Armando Baco and Caleb Love were banged up, hurt ankles. Leaky Black had four fouls. And Brady Manick and R.J. Davis had been banged around like crash test dummies, as my friend Jarrett Rozier tweeted out last night. And Kansas took advantage. Kansas had 11 field goals in the first nine minutes of the second half. They had 10 the entire first half. That's your difference right there. They had 10 field goals made in the first half, the first 20 minutes of the national title game. Kansas only made 10 field goals. In the first nine minutes into the second half, they already had 11. Wildly different team. Historic comeback like we've never seen before. McCormick, Brown, others really just stepped up. The 16-point deficit that they were trailing in the first half, it was only 15 at halftime. They trailed it by as many as 16 By the way, it was the largest ever to overcome to win a championship. That surpassed the record of 15 points set by Lolola of Chicago against Cincinnati back in 1963. Oh, we remember it like it was yesterday. That's probably before the tournament was even on television anywhere. North Carolina did not come out flat. 
you had those concerns about the emotional win over Duke on Saturday. Would they come out flat on Monday night? They did not. They were focused. They were pumped up. They were raring to go. And what's crazy is that Kansas scored the game's first seven points. And then North Carolina responded. And then North Carolina took over. It was nothing but Tar Heels the rest of the way in the first half. But Kansas came out in the second half and just seized momentum. And they were off to the races after that. Second national championship for Bill Self as the Kansas head coach. It gets paired up with the one from 2008. That was the classic matchup between Kansas and Memphis. That was the Derrick Rose-led Memphis team. Unbelievable. What a comeback. What a rally. What a victory. For Rock, Chalk, Jayhawk. They are your national champs. We'll hear from the champions coming up next. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. P3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Hangout Music Festival is returning this summer to Gulf Shores and the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has your tickets to this epic weekend of music and fun in the sun. You can score VIP passes by becoming a member of the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Don't miss the return of Hangout Music Fest. Doja Cat's going to be there. Post Malone and all 14 of his face tattoos. Halsey, we're a big Halsey household at the Parts Compound. Megan the Stallion, those are just a few of the artists that are going to be there. You're going to want to be there. You're going to be part of this. Producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names is trying to find a way to get to Gulf Shores for Hangout Music Fest. Yes. You could maybe ride with her, catch a ride. That's Hangout Music Fest, May 20th to the 22nd in Gulf Shores. Win your VIP passes from the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Yeah, there's 70 artists that are going to be there that's a lot yeah that's a lot but one is Shaq the diesel you're so happy about Shaq I'm gonna have to add him now into the library yes. just for you thank you is it gonna is it Shaq in the Fushnickens or just Shaq just Shaq it says Shaq oh. the diesel owning I remember when we bought his his cassette tapes and we we're like yeah this is awesome that's back in the day also used to go back in the day when he first got into the NBA, mm-hmm. I was still living outside of Baton Rouge. Okay. You could go to the mall, and I forget what store it was, but they had his Reebok pump, his his signature shoe, pump it up, 
and you'd have it on display and you could actually go to the mall. I forget what store it was, but you could go to the mall and keep your shoe on and slip your your foot in your shoe inside the, the display shoe because they had a display shoe of his size. I remember being a kid going, how is someone that large of a man? Yeah. Mammoth man. He's smashing brake boards. Just thinking of me next to him. I feel so small. I know he won championships with the Lakers in the heat, but man, Orlando Magic Shack, him and Penny Hardaway, so much fun. So much fun. So much fun. That's the team that drafted him. He's breaking, you know, smashing backboards. He had the pump shoe. He was rapping, hanging out with the Fooshnickens. He hadn't got quite husky at that time. He could still run it up down the court. Oh, man. That's my favorite version of Shaq is Orlando Magic Shaq. That's just me, though. I know he won the titles with the Lakers, and I know Laker fans are going to hit up my dms and message me like crazy oh he won envy i get it i get it but for me the most fun shack for me was orlando magic shack let's go back talking hardwood national championship game kansas rallies from a 15 point halftime deficit to win the whole thing second national championship under longtime head coach bill self Last time was 2008. Man, it's been that long since the Derrick Rose, Mario Chalmers National Championship game where Derrick Rose goes off and Chalmers goes off as well. Chalmers for Kansas, Derrick Rose for Memphis. I'm getting old. I got my first phone that year. Just let you know. I'm going to come back (laughs) to that comment. I'm going to come back to that comment, Five. Now, I'm going to – I got my pen right here. So, if you're watching <laughs> us on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on Elliott's Fiber, yeah, I'm going to go and write this down. Start we're going to circle back <laughs> about when – what age Hannah got a phone. And we're going to come back and take a deeper dive on that later on today, okay? Got it. All right. Bill Self, longtime Kansas coach. He's got the lifetime contract, second national – championship now and this is what the longtime man in charge of rock chalk jayhawk had to say about the game uh i think we're probably all a little overwhelmed and spent and uh i don't know that i've ever had a team flip the script like we have probably in the ncaa tournament uh whether it be miami in the lead eight or, or whether it be uh this game but but uh you know be special to win regardless uh but to win when your team had to fight and come back the way they did uh, uh, and show that much grit uh, makes this one uh, off the charts. I, I thought this would be good, and this is a heck of a lot better than I thought it would be. You know, the MVP of the tournament was the young man's name who I struggle to pronounce every time. Of course it would be him that wins MVP. Of course, right? Of course it would be Agbaji, right? Um, that seems right. Ojabi. Ojabi? I feel, like, I feel like you don't say the G. I think it's Ojabi. Ojabi. Yeah. So there Ochai Ojabi. That's right. Ochai Ojabi. Sounds right. Was your NCAA men's tournament MVP? It's probably Obi-Wan Kenobi's like second cousin. Shout out to me. New series is coming to <laughs> Disney Plus, by the way. Oh, God. This is what Bill Self had to talk about 
what he had to say about his star players MVP performance for the tournament. No, he's not in Kansas basketball history. I, I got. I can't say that. I, I think Danny was pretty good too. And and, uh, uh, but he's second. They're, 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 I, 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 he's the he's the most accomplished player that we have had at our university since Danny. I mean, to think that four years, win the national championship, win the league, uh, win the win the Big Twelve tournament, uh, win the uh, uh, NCAA tournament, to be a most outstanding player. Uh, we've never had anybody. We may have had some guys that had comparable years, but never had anybody uh, cap it off like what he has other than D. Even in the moments following winning his second national championship as the head coach of the Jayhawks, with the young man up at the podium with him, a great player, he said, no, no, we're going to pump the brakes here. He's not Danny. I mentioned him yesterday. Danny and the Miracles, right? When you spend any time in the state of Kansas, which I have done, Kansas City's a tremendous place. Great town. They still talk about Danny Manning all these years later. All these years later. They still talk about him more than they do the 2008 National Championship team. It was, they were not supposed to be a team that was supposed to make a magical run. They did. That's part of it. And they won it all. And it was Danny and a bunch of dudes. <laughs> so, a little bit, I, 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 was, I was surprised. You thought Bill would do the, the thing where, oh, this is my guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. He was like, well, great player. Love him. Great kid. Got a great future. But... He's he's not he's not he's not Danny, he's not Danny. I, I did love that. We talked about the halftime message. What in the world got into Kansas? What did the veteran coach do to get his team fired up to come out in the second half and fight back, claw back, take the lead, and then win the ball game? And this is what Coach Self had to say. What his message was to his team at half. There wasn't much inspiration. Uh, I did tell him before the. Uh the half was over, I said, which would be harder, being down nine with two minutes left or being down 15 with 20? And they all said being down nine with two minutes left. I said, so this, we can do this and, and uh, because that's the way it was in 08. So, uh, and, you know, we, we, we got, what did we get? Three or four stops in a row to start the half and 15 went to nine like that and it was anybody's game. So uh, uh, it was pretty special how, how one triggered that uh, start the second half. Credit Kansas. They came back. They could have easily. We've seen it so many times in basketball. When you're down by a large margin and you fight and you fight and you fight to get back and the energy that you use to do that, you then just run out of gas, right? We, We see it over and over again, particularly in basketball, where you battle, you battle, you battle, and then you get to the point and you're right there and you've evened it up or even maybe you've taken a lead. And you're like, oh, and then you've exuded all the energy you possibly could to do that. And you, you fall short. Kansas did not. Once they got rolling, they kept their foot on the gas. Phenomenal performance by the Jayhawks once again. And historic comeback like we've never seen before. Jayhawks over Tar Heels in the national championship game. Of course, we'll talk more about this throughout today's show. Right now, though, we got to take a timeout. 
When we return here on RP3 and Company, New Orleans Saints. Oh, man. They were busy yesterday. Signed a couple of guys. Oh, and by the way, traded up in the draft. Now they got two first-rounders. We'll break it all down because when the tweet first got sent out yesterday while I was at UL Pro Day, I had to calm down Kevin Foote because he had a panic attack because he didn't understand the tweet about what the Saints did, and then he was frazzled and had to walk around in nervous energy for about five minutes. We'll break down exactly what happened between the Eagles and the Saints. That's coming up next. Plus, we'll unveil our poll question of the day for you right here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Here on RP3 and Company, we talk about the sports you know and love. Baseball, football, basketball, and soccer. Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer, but we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Flavor in your ear. You know what's been in my ear last month or so? Saints fans. Not happy. Not happy. I've been telling you that the moves that they've been making have been safe. But they could also prove to be smart. But they've seemingly been just, I don't know, in a holding pattern, right? Mm -hmm. They've been making moves. Nothing gets anyone really excited, right? None of the moves they made, you went, oh. There weren't Saints fans that went, oh, yeah, hell yeah, let's get it, let's go. No one did that. No one did that. They let Teron Armstead walk because he got $80 million plus from the Dolphins. They let Marcus Williams walk because he got $70 million from the Ravens. And then what do they do? They bring in a guy like Marcus May. A different type of safety. Is he a starter? Maybe. But they got him on the cheap from the Jets. They bring back Traquan Smith. No one got excited about that. They bring back Jameis Winston. Some Saints fans got excited about that, especially after they flirted with Deshaun Watson. And that kind of divided the fan base in a lot of ways. But they bring in all these people back, and you've been waiting for a big move, right? They've been making small moves. They made a couple more small moves yesterday. They signed former first-round defensive end and a guy that's become a bit of a journeyman in a short five-year career, Taco Charlton (laughs) from the Steelers. Um, He's gotten only 92 tackles, 11.5 sacks, four forced fumbles in his five-year career. So that gives you depth across your defensive line, which is not a bad thing. You didn't have to break the bank for Taco. You missed an opportunity signing him yesterday, though. Why not sign him on Tuesday? Hello? Taco Tuesday. Yes! It's a missed opportunity by the Saints. But 
You bring in Taco Charlton to give you another body across the defensive line. You can never have enough defensive linemen. You just can't. So that's a smart kind of cheap team-friendly move. You help your depth there. Because you do know across the defensive line, you got guys that are very good players but also get nicked up and miss time. So adding depth to the defensive line, that's a plus. They also reportedly had agreed to a one-year deal yesterday with free agent safety Justin Evans, who was a second-round pick of the Tampa Bay Bucks. Same draft class as Marcus May and Marcus Williams, by the way. Same round, too. All three of those guys were second-round picks. So you bring in him to add additional help with the secondary on a team-friendly one-year deal. Now, the signing of Evans suggests to me that they possibly maybe aren't looking at bringing in another safety. You sign Marcus May, you bring in Evans. That's two guys. You restructured Roby's deal. You brought back P.J. Williams on another one-year deal. So maybe they're not going after the Honey Badger. Maybe they're not going after a big-time safety. Maybe they feel like they got enough guys that they can put out there to handle business. But those were the the two moves yesterday that were like the majority of the moves they've made all offseason. Nothing bold, nothing daring about it. And then came the news from Adam Schefter and others yesterday afternoon. I'm out there inside the Monclaw Center watching UL Pro Day. And the news breaks. I was like, what? So the Saints have a little bit of a sit down with the Philadelphia Eagles. So I'm going to walk you through this because at first glance, it may sound slightly confusing. So this is what happened. The Eagles decided to send pick number 16 and number 19. They had multiple first round picks. They had three of them this year. Philly did. So they sent two of their first-round picks, 16 and 19, and a six-round pick to the Saints. The Saints gave up their first-round pick, number 18, and they gave up a third-round pick and a seventh-round pick this year. And then they gave up a first-round pick next year and a second-round pick in 2024. So essentially, the Saints and the Eagles swapped their first-round picks just different years. And what Philly did, they wanted to have two first-rounders next year instead of three this year and one next year. But now the Saints, yes, they gave up a third-round pick this year. And they have to give up a first-rounder next year and a second-rounder in 2024. But now they have two first-round picks in the middle of the first round. They have three picks because they kept their second round pick. Now they have three picks in the first 50. The Saints do. What do the team needs? Offensive line, wide receiver, right? Maybe DB. We've been talking maybe safety. The Saints have positioned themselves 
because I've, I've, I've mentioned this, it feels like they feel like they're close. Last year, they nearly made the postseason in spite of us having to play four different quarterbacks throughout the year and a slew of injuries and no Michael Thomas, and yet they still found a way to nearly make the postseason. Look at the moves they made. We're not going to overpay for anyone. Tarlon Arm said, we love you, but we're not going to overpay you. Marcus Williams, we love you, not going to overpay you. We're going to bring in cheaper options, bring in more depth, bring guys in on team-friendly deals. By the way, we got Michael Thomas coming back. By the way, we got Jameis Winston coming back on a team-friendly deal. We got Traquan Smith on a team-friendly deal. You, you, you see what they're doing. When I saw this deal, this tells me that the Saints – did what they did because they feel they're three guys away, three draft picks away from being back in the playoffs. That's what this tells me. Look at all the moves they've done. Short, team-friendly little deals to add depth at multiple positions, secondary, defensive line. We already know they like Hurst as the left tackle. And... You can still get a backup running back in the later rounds of this draft in the fifth or sixth round, right? They do that every year, the Saints seemingly do, or find a guy that's an undrafted rookie free agent. Not a problem. But this tells me that the Saints look at this and go, okay, in spite of everything we went through last year, in spite of Michael Thomas not playing a single snap, having to start four different quarterbacks, we still nearly made the postseason. So, yeah, we need an offensive lineman. Yeah, we need another wide receiver. Yeah, we could use another DB. They also brought in a veteran guy to be the backup quarterback, Andy Dalton, and they're going to use Taysom Hill in the Joker role. This tells me, and I slept on this because my first reaction was this, and I'm sticking to it. This tells me that this team, Mickey Loomis, Jeff Ireland, and the rest of the brain trust down in Metairie at the complex looks at this team and goes, we're three players away. We're three top 50 draft picks away from getting back into the playoff, getting back into the playoffs, rather, and competing and trying to make a postseason run. And I think that's what you're going to see. I mentioned it on this show that it seems like to me that they're going to address DB, wide receiver, offensive lineman in between now and the draft and with the draft. And whatever they don't handle in free agency, they'll handle with the draft. Now they've positioned themselves to do a couple different things. They could take their offensive lineman and wide receiver in the first round and then another DB in round number two, or they could take an offensive lineman and a DB and wait to take a wide receiver because the wide receiver class is so deep this year. They could do that in the second round. Or hell, they could be like, you know what? We already established DB. We're good there. We brought in a couple of new safeties. We're good there. We're going to spend our first our three picks in this draft, O-line, wide receiver, quarterback. They could do that too. Now, they've only done that ever once. Once again, refresher course for those new to the show and new to the Saints history. The Saints have only drafted a quarterback in the first two rounds of the NFL draft one time, and that was Archie Manning back in the day. I don't think that happens. I don't think they're high on any of these quarterbacks, to be perfectly frank with you. I think they look at it as they have confidence in Jameis Winston. They feel like they can get to the promised land with him, a healthy Mike Thomas, and they they think they need another young, dynamic wide receiver. They're going to take one in the first round, which they've done in the past. They've done that. 
Robert Meacham, Brandon Cooks. They've done this. I would not be surprised if you see them take an O-lineman and take a wide receiver. I really wouldn't. And then use that second-round pick. I also would not be surprised whatsoever if they make another move in free agency because we still have time. The draft's not until the end of the month, people. So we still got it nearly this entire month. I would not be surprised whatsoever if they take those two picks that now they have in the first round, which they got from Philly, and move up to like 10 or 11. I would not be surprised whatsoever if they move up to say like 10, 9, 10, 11, right around that location and get, because they probably already have a player that they have targeted is their guy, a guy that could be a game changer. Now, is that an offensive lineman? I don't think so. It probably would be a wide receiver. It's not going to be quarterback. If they think they have a difference maker, it could be at safety. If they think they have a difference maker that they really want to go get, they want to leapfrog, like say the Chargers, they want to get in front of the Chargers. Or that's what this trade actually did. If they feel like they need to do that, now they have the capital to say, hey, here's our two first-round picks. Let's get up to 11, 12. Because look at every move they've done this offseason. They're telling you what they feel about their team. They say, we like our team, we love our team, and we think our team is close to being a playoff team because now we're going to be healthy and we're bringing these people back. Yeah, Malcolm Jenkins retired. Yeah, Marcus Williams left free agency. Yeah, Teron Armstead left in free agency. But the Saints, they probably still view themselves as a contender. They got their quarterback back. Mike Thomas will be back. I'm just telling I'm telling you, this feels like a team that exactly knows what they're what they have on the roster, and they feel like they're only a few pieces short. And once again, the Saints nearly made the playoffs last year. It came down to the last weekend. It came down to the last day of the season, and they didn't make it. If the 49ers would have lost to the Rams in the final weekend of the season, the Saints would have been in the playoffs. So this team is not that far. They've made a lot of smart moves. they made a lot of shrewd moves to help with the roster depth. Do I think they're three players away from being a contender? Personally, no. But that's what they apparently feel that they are. Look, this offense is going to look wildly different with Michael Thomas back in the the, the fray. Just is. Just is. It's going to look completely different. It's going to operate completely different. This is. It just is. And. Whew. They feel that their way. Are they a wide receiver, offensive lineman, and a safety way? Maybe. Here's the other thing working in the Saints' favor. The NFC is wide open. Yeah, Tom Brady's coming back with the Bucks, and they got Leonard Fournette coming back. And Aaron Rodgers is back in Green Bay. But. The AFC is now overly stacked. The NFC is the weaker of the two conferences by a country mile. If you're the Saints, you're looking at that going, hey, 
we got as good a chance as any of any. Just saying. Leads us to our poll question of the day. What will the Saints do with their first two round picks? Take an all offensive lineman and a wide receiver. Take an offensive lineman and a DB. Take a wide receiver and a DB or trade up again. Go vote on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Oh, our number one is coming to an end, but don't be sad. Yeah, we'll recap the national championship game. Kansas rallies from 15-point halftime deficit, the largest ever to overcome in a championship game history. They win the national title over the North Carolina Tar Heels. And the Saints making moves, small little moves to add roster depth, and then trading picks. Now they have two first-rounders. What are they going to do with it? That's our poll question of the day. Don't forget to vote on that. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter as well. Our number two coming up. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Doppler 10, Storm Team Weather Center. I'm Chris Cozart. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, if you thought losing the chair dance-off spectacular extravaganza dance party would have stopped me from dancing, you thought wrong. You thought wrong. You can't you can't take that away from me, five names. Just Aww. because you beat me head-to-head in a competition <laughs> does not mean... It's fine. Does not mean that the dancing, the dancer inside of me isn't want isn't going to want to come out every day. I mean, good thing I ever said that. So, totally not wrong. <laughs> so, you're welcome, guys. How's your finger? It's all right. It finally stopped bleeding. <laughs> That's good. It was like right underneath my like the bottom of my like my cuticle. My, uh-huh. Yeah, I use big words. <laughs> it was like right under it. <laughs> you use big words. Not a bottom of my nail. I use a But cuticle. that's good. You are proving that your education from right down the road, the University of Louisiana at Lafayette, once again, that's the name of the university. The athletic program is known as the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. There's a difference yes. because on her diploma, it does not say Louisiana Raging Cajuns. It no. says the University of Louisiana, Louisiana Lafayette. at Lafayette. Which is then U-L-L. And, yes. um, so Just to yeah. be clear. Just to be clear. Uh, we're just being respectful of the university. Right. So, you have your education. You use big words. Mm-hmm. 
yet you confuse chopsticks and knives as I the didn't same thing. confuse them. Isn't that what you texted? Isn't no, that what you I said? literally said that I was grabbing chopsticks that were not being in there, and the knife was in front of it. But I thought when Kenneth put the knives up, he had them the right way, which is facing the cut. You <laughs> said. <laughs> It's five names sometimes. <laughs> five names. When, when five names gets really focused on telling a story, and she gets really animated, she'll do this thing where she show she shrugs her shoulders while she's talking to you, like she's jumping up and down. Like you, you look like a jockey on the horse. You're like, come on, and we're making the turn. Come on, I'm telling a story, kicking that mule so I can get around the turn and bring it on home at Evangeline Downs. Okay. By the way, that should be. Uh, just... a, a, a trip out of the office for the team, by the way. We should go to Evangeline Dallas. Okay. And lose money. Because that's good. what I do every time I go. I love that. It's my favorite it's thing. It's what I do every time I go. <laughs> that's like me going to Walmart. No, see, when I'm telling my story, I'm using my hands, but my hands, I have a very bouncy chair. So my hands make my, like I'm bouncing. It's fine. You did this while you were talking <laughs> at the bowling alley, too, by the way, on Friday. So. Oh. Always, it has nothing to do with do the that. chair. It has nothing to do with the chair. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> the knives usually are faced towards the container that's inside of the drawer that has Makes sense. That, that holds all of our rest of civilware. Oh, of course. So I thought they were facing that way. Well, apparently they were not. They were so not. So I went to go grab and put my hand down oh my to God. grab the chopsticks that were not in the wrapper. There was a wrapper in there. Somehow I did not throw it away. So I looked dumb to myself. And so when I did that, I was like, ow, that hurt. And I looked up and like right my cuticle, I have a big slit because I cut my finger on the knives that somehow only have a cover for the tip. Not like the rest of the blade is going to be sharp. Just the tip of the knife is going to be sharp. So. Mm. There, there we go. go. Thankfully, the bleeding has stopped. It has. And it you're here. A <laughs> what a chance. And, and man, it, it's the the journey you've been on. I know. It's, it's so epic to have to not eat your dinner until after you got done bowling on your league. It was always on Monday night. That's what we do. So if we went all four points, we go to Whataburger because it's right there next to the bowling alley. So if you win or you get points, you celebrate by going and eating at Whataburger. Yes. Shout out to Whataburger. Sounds cooked. That's always the, mm-hmm. the plus. If yes. we have all four points, we go to Whataburger, so now it's cooked. Just like if I get a spare, I get a kiss. If I get a strike, I get two kisses. I get nothing. Yeah, I'm stuck. Why are you the one that has to cook? Um, because he's just not that great at it. But how, how can how can he not to. be great at something if he doesn't practice? I see. I told him that, and uh, he said, "But you just cook better." So, <laughs> um, that's why what he cooks is uh. <laughs> burritos, quesadillas, and breakfast. Okay. Right, so and he if is... I asked him to cook dinner, he goes, oh, we'll get McDonald's. No, just because I said you make dinner, just not even you had to go get food somewhere. Can you explain to me... <laughs> well, we're not... What, yeah, can you explain <laughs> to me... By the way, for those who are, aren't watching us on the simulcast, you're missing out this morning. Um because five names for some reason has a paintbrush in her hand. I don't know who why? brought the paintbrush. <laughs> why do you have a paintbrush in your hand and why are you shaking it at me? Well, see, one. It's very aggressive. The paintbrush was here already. So I've picked it up. 
Um, second, there's a little bit of who the hell's like bringing paint I don't know. It was either Miguez or Mesh, not me. I totally said his name wrong. Miguez, sorry. Um, but one of them brought one because I didn't bring it and you didn't bring it, and no one else is in this room but those two, other than you and I. What about Becca, the intern? Becca left very quickly. Um, and all of her stuff stays on the side you can't see outside of the camera. So, but you're being very acu- uh, accusatory. Well, it has to be them too, correct? There's other I'm people that have, have access. Advertising reps come back here from time to time. Engineers. They don't come back here when you clients, are not here. Other interns. You but never do know. But they don't come back here when you're not here. They come oh, back. They true. try to see that your lights are off, and then they turn around and walk back over. I see. So it would only be Miguez and Match unless they. Why is there a paintbrush? Somehow. I have questions. I don't know, but there was questions. like paint on it, so I'm trying to get the paint off. So now it's in my hand. So now I'm waiting for <laughs> <at> it too. <laughs> oh man! So uh, great, great. You know what? We love asking. Day. We love asking great questions. You know what else we do? What? We love asking them with our poll question of the day. Right. I think we have somebody on the line that would love to answer that for us. Our poll question of the day? Yeah. Would love to comment on it? Yes, he does every he calls. That's his, that's what his, his whole spiel is. Oh, because our poll question of the day is what will the Saints do with their first two with their two first round picks rather? And sixty seven percent of you say take an offensive lineman and a wide receiver. Eighteen percent say trade up again. Ten percent of you say take an O lineman and a DB, and only five percent say a wide receiver and a DB. We got plenty of comments to get to, but you say you we have someone on the line. Who is it? Is Mr. Green my frenemy? Oh, your frenemy, Mr. Green, aka Jamie, a man who wishes the school year was extended by at least six more weeks. Good morning, my friend. How are you? You better not wish that on me again, <laughs> my friend. Ever. <laughs> this man, who wants, Jamie, who wants the school year to end quicker? You or my daughter? Who yesterday I told her, I go, I go, baby girl, you only got eight weeks left, and then you're done. You're done. Eight weeks. That's it. And then it's summertime. She goes, how much more? She goes, oh. <laughs> She's ready for the school year to end. Who wants the school year to end more quickly, my seven-year-old daughter or you? Well, I'll have to go with the guy who's had a countdown on his board since January. <laughs> been that good of a school year but oh goodness what's on your mind this morning my friend well look i, I woke up and i, I kind of chose violence because i had to be awake um and don't worry you and miss five names my friend of me are not in my my crosshairs so my poll question of the day answer is this and i wanted to run a couple of what ifs so my poll question answer is this i'm going to say that they're going to go wide receiver o-line because they're going to leave it open and finish up uh, defensive backs in the uh, in the free agency. So yeah. my question is this: If they go that route, do you think they might try to get the Honey Badger? Because he's been basically, it looks like he's been interested in coming back home. Of course, that could just be him and CD mess with everybody's minds like they like to do. And then my second question is this, and it's going to make uh, Saints fans mad, and it's Uh-oh. this. Uh-oh. How would Saints fans feel if, uh, and I know he's not a, a, a defensive back, but how would Saints fans feel if they went and they traded to try to get Devin White? Ooh, okay, Jamie. I'll answer those questions, brother. Thank you for the phone call. Enjoy your Thanks, day, Jeff. Molding Young Minds. 
I will do my best. <laughs> my man, my man needs a summer vacation. He needs the summer vacation to get here like yesterday. All right. First things first. I actually lean towards that as well. Wide receiver, offensive line. I do believe that there is mutual interest between the Saints and Tyron Matthew. I think bringing in these other guys on the one-year deal, that gives you roster depth, that gives you versatility, and that gives you guys on the roster just in case you miss out on free agency. I think they waited. Now that they got their draft picks done, I could definitely see them making a run at Honey Badger. They have the salary cap space to do it. They can negotiate with Tyron. They'll be like, look, we can give you all this money. It's just being a signing bonus. Here you go. Then you solidify your safety spot, and you've already addressed the depth behind that on the safety positions because Jenkins retired and Williams is gone. You bring in Tyron Matthew. You've signed two other safeties. You've addressed that, and now you can use those two first-round picks because, remember, they're going to be locked in on rookie deals. That's the other part of this. That's the other part of what the Saints did yesterday. If you decide to, you're only a few pieces away, instead of spending all your money in free agency, you can spend it by locking up these guys because they're going to be on rookie deals, which are immensely affordable to the team. Immensely affordable to the team. So let's say they make a run, they go get the Honey Badger. Or even Landon Collins. Let's say they go get one of the safeties. Well, now they can use those two first-round draft picks, wide receiver, O-line, boom. And then the second-round pick that they have, it can just be best player available. Maybe it's a running back. Maybe it's a quarterback. Maybe it's a linebacker. You never do know, but I could see that happening. As for trading for Devin White, I don't think that would happen. I just don't, I, I don't see Tampa doing that. First of all, I don't see Tampa trading within their own division. And and even though I think the Saints would love to have Devin White, they don't necessarily need Devin White. They're pretty good at linebacker. Do they have somebody as good as Devin White? They got DeMario. Could they, could they get Devin White and become even better? Absolutely. But I don't think it's a position of need. So I don't think they're going to do that, especially if they have the mindset that they believe that they're really close, really close. Let's get some comments on the poll question of the day, shall we? JPK, the OD. I'm going to start singing his name now because I feel like it warrants it. I hope he's okay with that. JPK, the OD says, remember, you saw it here first. My man has already posted his mock draft. I love the enthusiasm. He has the Saints taking Bernard Raman. I'm not saying that properly. From Central Michigan, big tackle. He's supposed to be a mid-round, mid-first-round prospect. Then taking Chris Olave from Ohio State, the wide receiver, with their second pick. And then taking Matt Corral in the second round, the quarterback out of Mississippi. And then in the third round, taking Max Mitchell out of UL. By the way, we're going to talk about Max Mitchell because he worked out yesterday at Pro Day. You know who he worked out with? A special one-on-one drill in front of everyone. Just so happened to be the offensive line coach for the New Orleans Saints, Doug Marone, who pulled him aside 
at the end of the pro day and worked with him for like 15 minutes on individual drills while he was filming him. Doug Marone, because me and Kevin didn't know who it was. We're like, that guy looks kind of familiar. Who is working out specifically with Max Mitchell? And all the other scouts are watching. Like, Max had already gone through his 40 and bench press and all that other stuff. He's in the end zone working on drills while this gentleman in blue jeans is throwing a medicine ball at him. And he's trying to catch it and swat it and do all these moves and do these cone drills. We're like, who the hell is working out with them? Because pro day lasted longer because of it. We're like, what's, you know, we're like, we're getting a little impatient. We're like, hey, when's this going to get wrapped up so we can talk to the guys? Ends up being Doug Marone, who's lost like 60 pounds. He's really healthy now. That was him. Just pulled Max Mitchell aside and said, hey, let's work on some drills while he was filming it. Found that to be very interesting. Like 15 minutes of one-on-one work between Doug and Max Mitchell, the Raging Cajuns offensive lineman. We'll get to more of that later on when we talk pro day. A couple more comments here. Hart on the Twitter says, Saints fans, come on, Saints do something, make a move. Saints make moves. No, 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 not that one. (laughs) Laughing, crying emoji. On another note, I still got a gut feeling that they're willing to barter picks so freely because they know something we don't, possibly that a certain former coach will yield picks. I agree to that. I think Sean Payton is going to get back into coaching. I think it could happen as early as next year or the year after. And if that happens, then the Saints get comp picks. So once again, you may be upset by them giving up a third rounder this year or a second rounder next year. But if they're going to get picks in return in the next couple years, it's kind of a wash. Ton on Twitter says, Saints will likely take yet another O-line and hopefully a wide receiver. Knowing our look as fans, they'll use a first-round pick for a second-round QB. Cajun fan says, the Saints think they are three players away. What they don't realize, it's the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Ha! That's a, that's a good comment. <laughs> oh, and quickly. Brett Landry is hitting me up. Can we talk about Bill Self level one violations compared to Will Wade? Oh, Brett, why you want us to be down this morning, bud? Why why you want us to be all down? All just depressed. Look, Kansas just won a national championship last night while facing infractions. <laughs> like there's a case by the NCAA against Kansas. And Bill Self. Serious, and it's a long-standing infractions case. Kansas was one of four schools two and a half years ago to receive notice of allegations with five level one violations. In the meantime, the university gave self a lifetime contract and they just won a national title. And what I say to you is compared to, say, the Will Wade situation, Bill Self was never out front. Bill Self was never on front street with his business when it came to recruiting. If you do it behind closed doors and you're a little bit shady about it, but you're quiet about it, you get away with it. That has been the rule always, always, always. If you're going to cheat when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to violations, but if you do it quietly behind the scenes and you don't make a fuss and you don't get caught on a wiretap that gets made into an HBO documentary and all this other stuff, and you it, it, it If you know how to play it, you're not going to get punished, man. Will Wade rubbed the NCAA the wrong way. Bill Self hasn't. It's the same thing with North Carolina. 
They had one of the worst academic scandals, violations of all time. Of all time. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. You know what the difference is? Kansas, North Carolina are blue bloods in basketball. You know what LSU's not? A blue blood in basketball. That also is part of it as well. Got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. Hotline's open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. April 5th, 1972. Major League Baseball's regular season fails to open due to a player strike for the first time in history. A total of 86 games are lost before the labor dispute is settled. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Get lasting joint pain relief without surgery, without drugs, without downtime. New options are now available right here. Regenerative treatments at QC Kinetics. Hey, it's Raymond Parts III here, better known as RP3, talking about biologic therapies. This is the most exciting medical development in years. These remarkable regenerative treatments actually encourage your own body to help heal the damaged tissue in your joints. Pro athletes have done this for years. Now it's available for folks like us. If you've been struggling with knee, back, shoulder, or hip pain, arthritis pain of any kind, you need to check out this exciting natural alternative with incredible patient satisfaction reports. It's biological therapies at QC Kinetics. Effective treatments for chronic joint pain with no drugs and no surgery. Call for a free consultation right now. Learn about the regenerative options available to help you get pain-free. Call the local medical professionals at QC Kinetics. Call now. 337-243-4222. That's 243-4222. 243-4222. Poll question of the day is up and running. Please go vote on that. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you try to keep it clean for the kids, okay? Let's not get crazy. Let's not get crazy with it. Talking to you, five names. Don't get crazy with it. Let's talk a little baseball, shall we? Let's talk a little McNeese and Raging Cajuns baseball in particular. Both got themselves series victories over the weekend. McNeese went on the road down to Thibodeau, took two or three, nearly got the sweep, lost in extra innings on Sunday. But still, with the two out of three series victory advantage, they're right in the mix now. Northwestern State leads the South End Conference, but it's still early, only two weekend series. McNeese got back on track. The Raging Cajuns did so as well. They picked up their second straight Sunbelt Conference victory as they took down Georgia Southern 
two games to one. So they're both kind of maybe turning a corner a little bit, getting, you know, developing a little chemistry, finding the right lineups, figuring out things about their team. It's about that time of year for that kind of stuff. For McNeese skipper Justin Hill, look, it's been a tough season. They have have had their ups and downs. They were below 500 for a little while. Remember, they lost their opening conference series to one of the worst teams in the conference, Houston Baptist. The Huskies came to town and said, we're not scared of the Joe. This is our place. But they're clawing and they're fighting. And now they're above 500. And Coach Hill talked about, you know what? They're glad to get back to 500, especially considering how wide open the Southland Conference is this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it. You know, it's going to be a sprint. You know, we know 24 games. I mean, you got to find a way to, um, to 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 get every single win that you can. Um, and uh, you know, so I, I thought that was important to get back to 500 in elite play. Uh, kind of puts you right in the middle um, of everything. And so, uh, we're obviously, still still chasing a couple of teams. Um, we got a couple of teams probably chasing us and uh, playing a team this weekend. It's going to be you know right in the same spot. So I, I think it's going to be. I don't think the league or the the host sites for the the the, the conference tournaments and how we're playing that, uh, man, I don't, they may not be settled till the last day. Um, you know, that's just kind of the way it's shaping up. I mean, uh, it's a credit to to the coaches and administrations that you know the resources they're putting into baseball. Um, you know, and the coaches and the players. I mean, it's every every single game is seemingly competitive, um, and I think you'll continue to see that. The conference is seemingly wide open, and I think it's going to come down to that last week, and I, I totally agree with Justin Hill in that regard. And look, he even admitted, look, it's been a fight for this team because they lost some star pitchers. Will's gone, right? And they lost some key guys from the team last year that made it to the NCAA regional. But he says, you know, he feels like this team is now ready to kind of reset and turn a corner. The bus ride home was good. Um, it kind of lets everything kind of settle in. And, and what, I sh- what I shared with the team was just how proud I was for their fight um, because everything uh, for this team has been a fight. Everything has been um, extremely competitive. Nothing's come easy for this team. Uh, and they're continuing to show up and continue to get better. Uh, so I was really proud of them. Um, you know, they, their their standard is high. They want to continue to win. They want to be successful. They're not. Uh, they're they weren't happy uh, losing that game. Um, uh, but they, uh, they 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 came through on that. And uh, we'll get to rest up today and get a good practice in on Tuesday. And uh, you know, start the process all over again on Wednesday. Big series for them. You know, is right there in the middle of the pack with them as well in the standings after two weekend series. Privateers are typically a pretty good baseball program. They have to go on the road and take on UNO this coming weekend. That's their series, their conference series for this weekend. And Coach Hill talked about, you know, how much his team is looking forward to making that trip down to New Orleans. I think it's going to be a, a good matchup. They're well coached. They got a really good offense. Um, they've got left-handed pitching. They got a good good arm at the back end of the game. Um, they have have battled. Um, you know, some really good teams throughout the year. They played a good schedule. Uh, it's going to be a fight. I mean, I think it's going to be that way every single uh, every single weekend. It's going to be especially tough on the road. Uh, but I, I, I think every weekend is going to probably feel about the same. Um, and, and, you know, and until you got, you got a, every, t- every chance you get a chance to get a game, you got to make sure and take advantage of that. So uh, I think from a, um, 
you know, from a competitive standpoint, it'll be, it'll be a fun matchup. You know, it'll be a fun matchup. Our guys will be ready. Um, and then, um, you know, but it'd be good to be home on Wednesday as well. The Cajuns, meanwhile, they're coming off back-to-back series wins over South Alabama and Georgia Southern. And they're looking to finally kind of maybe build some momentum. And what's been impressive about this team is that, you know, they'll drop the Saturday game and then they'll turn around and they'll fight and claw their way to a victory on Sunday. And, you know, Matt Deggs had this to say about where his team stands right now at this point in the season. Getting better, trending the right way. Come off a one and three week into a you know a, a week where we went two and two, lose to Nichols, take two three from South Al, and then into a three and one week, which is a you know it's a good week. It's not a great week, but I like the way we're trending. You know, getting about to the halfway point here, one more game will mark halfway, and and you just kind of step back and look, and 48 RPI and eight strength of schedule, sitting 14 and 13, four and five in the league. You know, with several, probably five, six, not what might have been, kind of what should have been. And uh, we've got Marshock back healthy now, though. Got a confident Dirk. We're going to have a full complement of guys. And so we're excited to get on the road, take on this challenge. They're going to begin a five-game road trip with a game at Louisiana Tech tonight and then another game at Louisiana Tech tomorrow night. One of those is the rescheduled game from earlier due to weather. And then they'll be up in Jonesboro, Arkansas for a three-game conference series against Arkansas State. And for Deggs, you know, for him, you know, a guy that's kind of stepped up here in the last few weeks has been Julian Brock. And he gives the Cajuns, in particular their lineup, another great option. Julian has the shortest, quickest path on the team. Julian, and it's God-given, it's not taught. Julian is built to hit at a high, high level. Unlike a lot of amateur guys that you see, it's a flat end out stroke. It doesn't take a lot of effort to get started. And it's just a matter of at bats. He has the ability to catch the baseball and really kind of slingshot it uh, to different parts of the ballpark. He never has to be in a hurry. And that's part of a maturation process is learning that. You know, He's he's turned into one of their better players. And look, you can't have enough bats in the lineup, so to speak. You just can't. You just can't. Now, on the other side, you know, a guy that they're hoping to get more from is Peyton Havard. His ERA right now is over six, right? He's one and one on the season. He's appeared in seven games, started six times, still haven't quite got what they expected out of him. He's pitched 16 innings. You know, only six walks. He struck out 13, so he has some good stuff, but opponents are batting over 300, and he's got an ERA north of six. But Degg still has faith in his ability and what he can bring to the table, what role he could have for this team. Hayden knows this. You know, him and I have had a lot of talks. He Hayden is more than welcome to pitch as much as he wants, and that's, you know, strict. that ball's in his court. If he keeps stringing together outings like this, obviously they're going to get longer and, uh, you know, his opportunities are going to keep coming. It's the best stuff on the team. It just is. And, you know, he's got a chance if he continues down this path, making adjustments, being a, a, a real team guy, he's got a chance to do some good things for us. Of course, Deggs was talking about Hayden Dirk, the other pitcher. 
I'll have a conversation with someone later today about that. Hayden Dirk, who, by the way, does have great stuff. ERA is 5.79. Once again, high ERA. He's only pitched nine innings for them, but he does have the ability to be have very good stuff. So that's Coach Matt Deggs talking about what Hayden Dirk can bring to the table, not Payton Havard. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back here on RP3 and Company, Raging Cajun Pro Day was yesterday inside the Monclon Center. All 32 teams were there, by the way. Now, I only counted 27. Myself, Kevin Foote, and Cokie Riley of the Advertiser. But we were told all 32 were there. There to work out seeing the Cajuns. Max Mitchell's going to be a guy that's probably going to be drafted on day two, if not early on day three. Keep that string of offensive linemen selected in the draft for the Cajuns going. We'll talk about Pro Day, what stood out, who stood out. That's next, right here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to join in the discussion with RP3? Then just give us a call on the hotline. You know the number. 2-4-9-5-6-7-8. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? No need to be embarrassed. Just call us at 337-706-0111. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You can experience Festival International like never before by winning the game's Festival International prize pack. Sign up for the Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com and you'll get the chance to score a pair of Bonton passes. You will get exclusive access to front row and stage area, shaded seating, air-conditioned restrooms, express drink lines, shirts, pins, and a poster. Experience Festival International like never before by winning the Festival International prize pack from the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. Ooh, it's about that Saints news. Now, I'm not talking about signing a guy to a contract whose first name is Taco. I mean, first of all, they missed the opportunity. We, we can agree to this. They should have made the uh, news official today that they were signing Taco Charlton to a contract on Taco Tuesday. Yeah. Seems like a missed opportunity. Yeah. But it's when, when Miguez, <clears throat> sorry, when Miguez and Mesh brought it up yesterday on their show yesterday afternoon, Kenneth was like, did they just say <clears throat> Taco? I said, it might be a nickname. And then I saw the tweet from the Saints that said Taco Charlton. I said, oh, no, it's for real. It's a, that's the guy's name. It's Taco. Shout out to Taco. 
<laughs> but it wasn't that. those moves that we're talking about. No, no, we're talking about instead the fact that they swapped picks with Philly. They made a trade with the Philadelphia Eagles. So, Saints now have two mid-first-round picks. They had to give up next year's first and a second two years from now, essentially, is what they gave up. Because remember, <clears throat> whenever Sean Payton gets back into coaching, and that will happen more than likely, they're going to get comp picks. So, they have two first-round picks now and a second. They have three picks in the top 50. What are they going to do with it? That's our poll question of the day. What will the Saints do with their two first-round picks now? Will they take an offensive lineman and a wide receiver? Will they take an offensive lineman and a DB? Will they take a wide receiver and a DB? Or will they trade up again? 70% of you say they are going to take an offensive lineman and a wide receiver, which I think a lot of people wouldn't be upset about because you need a tackle and you need a wide receiver. That's two positions of need. Boom, done. 14% of you say trade up again. I can see them doing that. They like to trade up. They never like to trade back. It's not their jam. Mickey Loomis, Jeff Ireland, they like trading up. They don't like trading back. And then tied for third with 8% apiece is O-line DB combination and wide receiver and DB combination. Darren has chimed in, number one raging Cajun fan of RP3 and company, says, I think they should be looking to replace Thomas and Kamara. They're still valuable to this year's team, but if you can replace them before it's too late, that's a plus for the team. That's why I like your mock. This is the one I did, though. Oh, everyone's sharing their mock drafts. Mock draft simulator. We're getting close to being doing that ourselves. Darren has the Saints taking Chris Olave there at 16. Is he still going to be there, though? I don't know. He could be, but... Man, if they make a run at wide receiver, they could not have them there. Then he has them taking Dean, the linebacker out of Georgia, in the first round. And then in the second round, taking Sky Moore from Western Western Michigan, wide receiver. And then taking Max Mitchell, the tackle, in the third round. Uh-oh. Ooh, that leads us to our next topic of discussion here. UL Pro Day was yesterday. All 32 teams were in the house. In the hizzy, as they like to say. No, you're shaking your head when it says that anymore. (laughs) I get the the shaking in the head by five names. Max Mitchell's going to be the top guy for the Cajuns. The offensive lineman. Third, fourth round, I think, is where he's going to be. I think he's going to be drafted around the same place that Kevin Dotson was a few years ago. Another great offensive lineman for the Cajuns. And in that year's draft, they had Robert Hunt and Kevin Dotson both go in the mid, you know, second day, third day, early third day. So I could see that happening for Mitchell. Right now, I think his grade is based on what he did at the Senior Bowl and then the NFL Combine and now the Pro Day. I think you're going to see him be that guy he's going to be probably a third round pick if not an early fourth round pick but he's not the only guy that's going to get drafted I firmly believe Percy Butler is going to be drafted as well and the reason why I say that look Percy had a good workout Percy was also at the combine so the pro day is the second time around for these scouts they've already seen him up close and they've already interviewed him at the combine that plays a role You go to the combine, you increase the likelihood of you being drafted exponentially. So 
Percy does a couple of really good things. I, th- I could see Percy being a sixth-round, seventh-round draft pick for this reason. Percy can play special teams. Percy is a versatile versatile defensive back. He has a nose for the ball. He has a, he has a knack for getting turnovers, forcing fumbles, and getting interceptions. And that's great. And he's got good ball skills as a DB. But how he's going to stick in the NFL on a roster is going to be because he can play special teams. And a team can draft Percy Butler and automatically right off the bat, they're like, hey, there's a backup defensive back. Oh, and he can be a starter for us on special teams. Done. Percy can do multiple things. And when you're getting to that point of the draft, that's what you need to have. Those are the guys that get picked later in the draft as guys that can play special teams. They can do multiple things for you, can be a backup to one of the starters, can be on the roster for that role, but mainly their role is earning a spot on special teams. Think Tracy Walker. Tracy Walker, when Detroit took him, he made his bones as a special teams player. Then he turned himself into a starter, so much so that the Lions made it a priority of bringing him back on a new contract. So, you get your foot in the door by doing multiple things. I think the Cajuns are going to have two guys get drafted, Max Mitchell, and then later Percy Butler. And then you're probably going to see Big Sauce, Taylor Humphrey, who did the boss move yesterday, by the way, ran his 40-yard dash. The big fellow defensive lineman did it without a shirt on. Shout out to him. Love that. Love the confidence. He's like, what's up? I'm a big fella. That's what's going to happen. He's a really good college player, a really good run blocker. Is he going to get drafted? I probably lean towards no, but I could see him getting one of those invites to a camp, right? Undrafted rookie free agent deal for him and some of the other guys that took part in the pro day yesterday. Coach Dez, his first time being in charge of the pro day. Obviously, he knows these guys because he was assistant coach with many of them over the last few years. And, you know, this is what he had to say about some of his guys. In particular, Max Mitchell, who's going to be the first Cajun taken in the draft later this month. And he and what makes Max so special? This is what Coach Des had to say. Well, I, you know, I tell people this all the time. I mean, you know, when, when you got guys like that, you look for the measurables, right, and the movement skills, and he's got all of those things. One of the things to me about Max that, that just always stood out to me is he is one of the best practice players I've ever been around. And it doesn't matter if it's a team setting, if it's a one-on-one or, or shoot, it's, it's, it's indie on bags. He does everything right. He constantly craves feedback, and he's really intelligent, so he knows how to use the feedback and put it into action. I think, you know, the thing about Max is that you can't go wrong when you have a guy that's got the size, got the movements, got all the ability, and on top of that, he's one of the hardest workers you're ever going to have. You know, he just, you know, he, he checks every box. And, um, you know, I, I think Max obviously has done really well for himself, you know, and these NFL teams, they, they know who he is and they know what they would get with him. You know, the other guy that was one of the stars of the pro day was, of course, Levi Lewis. I don't think Levi gets drafted, but I do think he's going to get an invite to a camp. I do see that in his future. I do think he's going to get an invite to a camp. Uh, the former starting quarterback and team captain for the Raging Cajuns. And this is what Coach Dez had to say. Did he feel yesterday's pro day, did it feel like it helped Levi with the NFL scouts? Well, sure. You know, I mean, I, I think Levi, I think the more people get to know Levi, I think through the meeting rooms, they see the football knowledge that he has. 
you know, and, and Levi is, is small in stature. People don't really understand the arm strength. And one thing about evaluating quarterbacks, when you see the ball come out of their hand in person, it's just something that you can't, you can't really quantify. You can't really evaluate that to me as well on film. So, you know, I mean, the way he throws the ball, I mean, the velocity that he has, and, you know, I mean, he was really accurate, um, which, you know, he has been for years. So that stuff, they know that. But um, to see him throw it in person, I think, is something that's certainly going to help him. And the more time they spend with him in meeting rooms and understand his football IQ, I, I certainly think it'll do nothing but help him. We'll talk more about Pro Day coming up after this timeout. We'll hear from Levi and we'll hear from Max. That's next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Ooh. Me, oh my, crawfish pie. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. What do you think the Saints are going to do with those two first-round picks? Are they going to trade up? Are they going to take a wide receiver and an offensive lineman? Are they take a wide receiver and a DB? Maybe an O-line and a DB? Maybe they'll get a little crazy with it. We want to hear from you. Leave your comments <clears throat> on Facebook and Twitter and just make sure you vote for the poll question of the day. Hey, let me take a moment to tell you about our friends over at Lafayette Marble and Granite. They are the South's largest cultured marble factory, and they pride themselves on earning your business and look summer's going to be here in no time and you know what else is right around the corner the start of football season and you want to have an outdoor kitchen area where you can have all your friends come over all your family members watch the big game don't you that's what you want to have you want to have a great time take that tailgating atmosphere and just have it at your own house be the envy of your own neighborhood Lafayette Marble and Granite can help you with that they can give you the countertops to entertain in style out on your back patio or your porch your man cave it does not matter they can help your outdoor living area take it to the next level visit their website lmgelite.com to learn more about all the sensational services and the great products they have to offer live inventory is updated every single wednesday visit lmgelite.com that's lmgelite.com or stop by their showroom located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford in the jockey lot. Lafayette, Marble, and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it they will. Hour number two in the books. Hour number three, we'll kick it off talking some recruiting with Jarrett Rozier. That's next right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3.
I may have lost the 2022 chair dance-off extravaganza spectacular dance party brought to you by the game. Five names won it. You voted. You let us know who you prefer dancing in a chair. Obviously, it was Hannah Five Names. But does, is that going to stop me? Prevent it has me not. From stop dancing? No. No, 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 no. It's not going to. Look, when you have this inside of your soul, when you have a dancer inside of you, it doesn't matter if you're a big, bald, beautiful body like this. You have to let it out. Got to be you. That's my, that's, my, that's my mindset. You got to be you. Be true to you. And you know what I am? I'm a big, large man who likes to dance in a chair. Boom. I'm not going to change, damn it. I'm not going to change just because I lost a competition. Does that mean I'm going to give up? Nope. Never. I won't stop. I can't stop. I am 1997 Puff Daddy. That's what I am. No. no. Mm-mm. Sean Combs. Shout out to Sean Combs. Hope he's listening. Probably on the free mobile app. You can get that on your Android or Apple device. I'm sure Diddy has both. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> he's also watching it on simulcast. Seeing oh. 2.3 and 130 on Young US Even though he's not here, he somehow has a feed to our simulcast. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. When you run bad boy records, <laughs> look. Boom. Jared gave it to him. Boom. Boom. Roger gave it to him? Yeah. Of course he did. Mr. Worldwide himself. If anyone, if anyone that ever has come on this show, if there, if you had to pick one person that's ever come on RP3 and Company, we've been on the air now three years. If you had to pick one person that's ever crossed paths and possibly been in the same nightclub as Sean P. Diddy Combs, it'd be Jared Rocher. He'd be yeah. on the top of that list. Oh the yeah, very top definitely. Of that list. Right next. Less East. <laughs> no, stop it. It's ridiculous. Let's let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on our first guest of today's RP3 and company. He's a recruiting analyst, a high school reporter, a man about town. It's our good friend, the one and only Jarrett Rozier. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you all this Tuesday? I'm doing good, bud. I'm doing good. So, um, of all the people that have come on the show, how do you how do you like that claim that I've given you that you'd be the one person of any of us to actually cross paths with Mr. Combs? I I haven't, first of all, but I think honestly the claim of most likely might still be fair. I, I just have enough weird stories like that. Yes, you do. I've, <laughs> yeah, I've I've met people. I. Fonsworth Bentley tweeted at me one time, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so yes. that's about as close as I think I've gotten to Diddy. I remember that. <laughs> that's why I brought it up. <laughs> oh, oh, bud. All right, let's get right to it. Um, can, can we start off with the, the men's basketball program? Because at LSU, <laughs> because there's no one on the team, dude. There, I, all, I, I've never seen this before. I've seen turnover. I've never seen every single scholarship player no longer on the team because of a coaching change. They're all gone. Two of them have declared for the draft, Days and Eason, and the rest of them are in the transfer portal. And right now he has two Murray State guys coming in that played for him at Murray State. One of them's probably a starter. The other one's probably not. A kid from Northwestern State. Uh, How much of a challenge is this going to be for Coach McMahon taking over the LSU men's basketball program? Well, look, we say one of – 
those guys and Justice Hill, who was a starter at Murray State, is probably a starter. And the other, Trey Hannibal, the racer's sixth man, probably is not. But we have no idea what they might have in Baton Rouge next year. So this may be an unusual opportunity where Trey Hannibal has a chance to go from a sixth man in the Ohio Valley to a starter in the SEC because we just don't know what this roster is going to look like. Uh, We talked last offseason about what felt like a notable amount of turnover for that roster from 2020-2021 season to 2021-2022, and that was child's play compared to now 11 players in the transfer portal and then the two that you mentioned declaring for the draft. Um, You know, Matt McMahon and company will still have an opportunity to potentially coax a couple of of those former Tigers back into being Tigers maybe. Um, You know, you'll have those conversations potentially if there's any chance that 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 door is open on their end for a return um, to possibly keep them in the mix. We saw, obviously, on the football side, Miles Brennan stands out as someone who entered the portal and came back. Uh, but I don't know the likelihood of that right now. And so you start building with these two guards from Murray State, two guys who, I mean, were were two of their better players for a guard-oriented team and who have a familiarity with with McMahon and, and vice versa uh, and, and felt like they wanted to stick together here in, in the SEC. And then we talked about it last week, Kendall Coleman, the the all-Southland first-team guy from – Northwestern state. And then you, you flip a Murray state commitment in Cornelius Williams to add to the front court. And so right now you're working with that. And then these, these four walk-ons who theoretically could be back Parker Edwards appeared in five games, uh, played 26 total minutes last year. And that's currently your leading returning statistics are a couple points from Parker Edwards early in the season. So it's, it's going to be a complete build from the ground up uh, at the moment. And uh, it's it's going to be a really interesting offseason to watch and a really, for better or worse, I think, interesting couple of years to watch in terms of, of that building process. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting and you're going to get the guys that are going to be committed to come play there. They're going to seize the opportunity to be able to play in the SEC, whether that transfer, you know, translates into this being a competitive team or a team that can be good for a couple of years. I don't know about that. Because obviously we haven't yeah. seen a finished roster, Jarrett, but they're going to get guys are going to have the opportunity to say they played in the SEC, and that's what it's kind of going to boil down to the the type of guys that he's getting, guys from Murray State, guys like from Northwestern State. That's what he's going to have to do, I think, because the bigger prospects are going to shy away because of the fear of probation and not having to deal with that rebuild. Let's switch. go ahead, I'm, bud. Well, I was I was going to say, look, the amount of talent that was on that LSU roster, Murray State one more NCAA tournament games. Obviously the regular season schedules look drastically different, but the ability that Matt McMahon and his staff had at Murray state to consistently get to the NCAA tournament and to win games in the NCAA tournament was, was notable. And so, you know, they're, they're used to doing a lot with less than what we've seen come through the LSU roster in years past. Uh, it's obviously a much different story when you go through that SEC grind for the entire conference slate, uh, and that can kind of wear on you. But if if there was a candidate to to think you can navigate some lean years and, and still maybe surprise some people with uh, with your level of success despite uh, everything that they will likely be overcoming as a program over these next couple of years, I think Matt McMahon is as good of a guy to have tabbed for that as any. 
Let's switch over to football. Some players have entered the transfer portal. Do you believe that's going to change Brian Kelly's approach to this finishing off, you know, for the 2022 and 2023? How how do you think that's going to uh, change his approach? I don't know that it is. I think the the big surprise to me of the the portal entries on the football side thus far was news that Pig Cage was headed out of Baton Rouge after one year and, and he'd had a chance late in the season to step in and and take some some key playing time. And he also kind of fit that mold uh, just a year early of what Brian Kelly did this offseason with bringing so many Louisiana Tide transfers who really grew up wanting to play for LSU to come back and, and have that opportunity to represent the state and the program uh, and build that rebuild that culture. Uh, Pig Cage was that a year ago, essentially. He wasn't out of state. He had he had gone to Nickel State, but um, he was friends with a lot of a lot of these guys like Joe Fushin and Greg Brooks and played with some of them uh, in in seven on seven in high school. And so uh, that paired with the fact that I always thought safety or, you know, another versatile defensive back, maybe a nickel safety hybrid type type player was going to be a possible add in these final few spots of the of the 2022 class and so I think that was a position that was already a potential addition for for Brian Kelly over these next couple of months and that that remains a position Um, same thing Josh White entered the transfer portal a linebacker uh, and is headed to Baylor he announced last night I think that was a position that maybe wasn't the top priority of, of what you could still add through the transfer portal here in the next couple of months, but was, was on that radar. And so I think linebacker could still be a position where you see another piece added, but always kind of was Quentin Skinner, the long snapper on his way out uh, with, with the addition of a transfer long snapper a couple months ago. I don't think that's a position where you're really going to, to look to, to bring in a second scholarship guy. Um, they, They pulled, they pulled theirs already over the winter, but to me, offensive line still kind of remains, even with as much as we talked about the numbers haul that they had uh, in this class compared to what they're used to. That was a position that I think kind of topped that priority list and remains atop that list um, with, with some of those other positions like a linebacker or a safety in the mix. But I don't think as, as red flagged or starred or prioritized uh, quite to the same degree. And and I think they also feel like they have a little bit of room to, to be flexible. And, and if the right person becomes available for whatever reason at any position, similar to a Jaden Daniels uh, that, that they feel like they have some flexibility to, to go add that as well, potentially over one of those uh, linebacker DB type spots. If, if the shoe fits, so to speak. Talking with Jarrett Rozier, recruiting analyst, reporter, and a man who, oh man, he gets social media messages from famous people. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, bud, what's the approach for LSU turning the page for the 2023 class? And what about Coach Dez and the Cajuns? What are they doing early on? What are you hearing, at least with offers, for the 2023 class? Yeah, I know keeping up with, with some of the top prospects in the state, another couple added – LSU offers uh, this past week and, and Lance heard the big offensive lineman from uh, from Neville and a guy that we talked about last week actually as a as a top performer at the rivals camp Kai Preen who's now at St. James an athlete who will likely project as a wide receiver at that next level uh, those were 
two of the top guys, I think, out there around the state who hadn't received LSU offers yet and have now been uh, have added the Tigers to their their list of options. Um, as far as the Cajuns, I'm kind of looking down my list of prospects of, of maybe some guys to keep an eye on. Um, you know, there there's a guy down in the the mid 20s that you know, he'd be he'd be tough to keep home. But Harvey Broussard is a, is a receiver we've talked about from St. Martinville, who I'm interested to see if he potentially ends up with an LSU offer uh, or if, if he's looking at out of state power fives and uh, a UL close to home and just how some things continue to develop for him. Uh, a couple of guys in North Louisiana, I think might be interesting to keep an eye on for, for the Cajuns uh, to Darius Collins, a really athletic defensive end outside linebacker from Northwood Shreveport uh, and, and KJ black has, has a couple of offers. I think uh, he's, you know, he's got a big off season ahead of him to take care of some things, but uh, KJ black from North Cato, a really speedy running back athlete uh, could be an interesting one. And then, you know, adding another North Louisiana guy, actually cam Evans, a quarterback from Huntington, who I think is a really talented kid and has started to pick up a couple of offers. I know Cajuns had been in on him pretty early. I don't think the scholarship offer has, has come for him yet, but I know he's been heavily on their radar and they'd love to get him to campus this off season. Uh, and so even just looking at the the 318, a few guys that kind of stand out to me that might be worth monitoring for uh, for the Cajuns here in the months to come. Jarrett, appreciate your time as always, brother. Tell the people where they can go to check out your latest stuff, my friend. Yep, was keeping up with a lot of the basketball movement last week uh, for LSU on TigerDetails.com. I'm going to have some some interviews with with some guys including probably to uh, to Darius Collins coming this week on the Louisiana versus all y'all uh, YouTube channel and uh, gonna look a little bit more at who some of these 2023 prospects to watch for potential LSU offers uh, on prep red zone Louisiana this week as well brother appreciate your time as always keep up the tremendous work we'll talk to you next Tuesday my friend you got it y'all have a great Tuesday that's Jarrett Rozier a man who rubs elbows with celebrities. It happens. It's his cross to bear. We got to take a timeout. <laughs> we'll have more RP3 and company coming up after this timeout. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Here on RP3 and company, we talk about the sports you know and love. Baseball, football, basketball, and soccer. Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer, but we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo is coming back in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has your free tickets. That's right. Simply text ANGOLA to 68683. That's ANGOLA to 68683. The Angola Prison Rodeo returns April 23rd and April 24th. 
and you can see all the excitement. Bull riding, wild horse racing, convict poker, and more. Text Angola to 68683. That's Angola to 68683 to watch the world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo, courtesy of Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. What do you believe the Saints will do with now having those two first-round picks? What combination of positions will they take, or will they trade up? Go vote. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. April has been deemed, proclaimed by Governor John Bell Edwards as Safe Digging Month here in the state of Louisiana. It's part of a nationwide safety awareness campaign to draw attention to the importance of safely digging in your yard or property. That's right. And look, in Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. And look, if you or your contractor that you've hired is digging, you know, you are in danger even if you dig only a few inches, of hitting a line. That's why it's so important to utilize Louisiana 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. To talk more about Safe Digging Month and the importance of it is our old friend from Louisiana 811, Mr. Cole Vanderlick joins us now here in RP3 and Company. Cole, good morning to you, brother. How are you? Good morning, my man, and good morning to everybody in the Lafayette area. I'm doing good. A little bit of uh, weird weather today, huh? But um, but all is well, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk with the public about 811, and thanks for the great introduction. That was perfect. I appreciate you making the time for us, Cole, as always. It is definitely in, important. So let's, let, let's talk about, you know, just walk us through, because I went through this last year myself, where we put in uh, just a chain link fence, black chain link fence across the back of our property. And we called 811 and they came out there and they marked the location of all the lines. I was stunned, even though I'd been living in that house now for more than five years, we bought our house. I had no idea that certain lines ran towards the back of the property like they did. And that's we needed to have that done. I had no idea that I had lines back there. How important is it to make sure to have you guys come out there and mark the lo- those locations of those lines like that? Because most homeowners probably assume that there's not lines in certain areas of their property, right? That's right, and it's extremely important. Um, as you said, it's a free service, right? It doesn't cost you anything but just a few days of planning ahead. We're a nonprofit organization, and it's all about public safety, right? We want to help those that are out there working to keep themselves protected, keep the community you know, safe, and all the utilities intact. Nobody wants to put out you know, your own utilities or a neighbor's and have to deal with the cost of those damages and such, but even even more importantly than that is the safety, right? Um, some of these utilities, you know, the utility industry does a fantastic job at giving us these resources in a safe and reliable manner, but we have to do our part as well, right, to help protect them. So uh, we can see miles and miles above ground, but we can't see an inch below ground, right? So as you were stating that, you know, you just didn't know that a certain line was there, and that's what we're here for, right? Louisiana 811 we're the notification center that if somebody tells us where they're digging, we'll automatically notify those utility companies that have underground facilities in that area. And, uh, 
right? You know, we don't know what's below and, until we come across something. So that's that's why it's so important to let us help those that are out there working. You know, whether it's a landscaping project, uh, building a fence, as you said, you know, planting a tree, uh, building a pool, a deck, you know, uh, installing a mailbox, all sorts of activities where these utilities run just a few inches, you know, sometimes beneath the surface. Some, you know, different depths change, right? Some utilities are at different depths, but the point is, is that we don't know that, right? And these depths could be really anywhere. And uh, some some of these utilities might change depths, you know, over the course of, of years and the work that's going on in that area, right? And being in South Louisiana, how our soil, uh, you know, kind of moves a little bit. So, uh, that's what we're here for. We're a public service uh, here, you know, just to try to help those working safer and to keep our utilities intact. It's also important, Cole, for a homeowner not to assume that the contractor that, that they have hired that is coming to put in that fence or that pool or to do landscaping or any type of construction on the house. I, I would assume some homeowners assume that, oh, the, the contractor, he's going to take care of all that. He knows where all the lines are at. It's important not to assume that, and for you being the homeowner, you being the one to make sure to call. Well, that's a that's a good point and a good question. So, and it's important for homeowners, and if they're hiring a contractor to do a service, that they have that communication, right? Uh, at Louisiana 811, we encourage that whatever company or if it's a homeowner doing that work, that whoever's doing the excavation or demolition work, uh, for them to please submit the ticket and to, to state who the work's being done for. Because, you know, if you're a homeowner and you're doing that work, please submit a dig ticket. But if you're hiring somebody, you know, let them go ahead and take care of that. That way you're not pulled into any, you know, uh, just in case something happens, you'd rather the professional that you hired, you know, submit that dig ticket. But uh, you're right, you know, never assume that someone has submitted one, right? We know what happens when we assume. So, you know, having that conversation is important. If the homeowner wants to submit the dig ticket because they know the area better, you know, we will accept that. Just be sure to put the company who is doing that work down in the dig ticket. But we encourage, you know, let that professional submit that dig ticket for you. And I'm glad you mentioned homeowners and professionals. Uh, you know, there's a lot of professional excavators, the contractors out there that know about the 811 service. And I'm sure there's some that don't utilize 811, but hopefully, you know, uh, hopefully they're starting to, right? And then the homeowners, our friends, our families, our neighbors, they may not know about 811 or how the utility, you know, infrastructure is all connected, right? So, you know, it takes all of us on the same team here in Louisiana to, to spread that message. And hopefully, you know, everyone's being more cautious of where we're working and, and how we're so reliable on these utilities that, Hopefully we're all working together to locate these facilities and, you know, just doing our part to keep our community safe and the utilities intact. You know, a lot of people still working from home, right, throughout the state and throughout the country, where if some of these utilities uh, go out, causes a big problem, right, and also for businesses as well. 
Wrapping up our conversation with Cole Vanderlick of Louisiana 811. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. It is, once again, Safe Digging Month. That's what Governor John Bell Edwards has proclaimed the month of April to be. And it's important to make sure that you're safe. And, and Cole, we'll wrap it up with this. You know, based on the stats that you guys have access to, uh, an underground utility line is damaged every six minutes in this country because someone decided to dig but didn't call 811. Give us the four things, those four kind of th- things that you need to do to make sure to call 811. That way, whatever you're doing or your contractor is doing gets done in a safe manner. That's right. I appreciate that. So first, we notify, right? We either call 811 or submit a dig ticket at louisiana811.com. That ticket will generate that day, and we have to wait the next two business days. So in Louisiana, there's a two-business-day wait time, um, excluding weekends, holidays, and the date that we enter the ticket. So first, we notify. Step two, we wait. Step three, please confirm that the utility companies who were notified on that ticket, have they responded? And if not, you know, please get back to us and we'll notify them again. And then step four is respecting those marks. And step five, digging carefully. And it's a nationwide stat that if people follow these these steps, right, that there's less than a 1% chance of damaging an underground utility. So that's, you know, very impactful stat right there. And one more stat, if you don't mind, is that uh, there is over a football field's length of buried utilities for every woman, man, and child in the United States. So that comes out to be, you know, over a hundred billion feet of underground utilities all throughout the country. And we know being in Louisiana and South Louisiana, how heavily saturated we are with oil and gas facilities, you know, on top of the other utilities that, you know, please let us be a a resource for you that you can rely on. And and it's all about communication in the utility and in the construction industry, right, as well as so many others. And, you know, communication is key, and we're just here to help people working safely and, um, you know, doing the right thing and being in compliance with the law. Cole, appreciate your time as always. Uh, Thank you for doing uh, everything you and your team is doing out there to make sure everyone's safe. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and the rest of the month. Brother, we'll talk to you soon. I appreciate y'all so much. Y'all have a great one, and uh, looking forward to talking with you again. That's Cole Vanderlip with Louisiana 811. Remember, you got to call 811 and know what's below before you dig. It's safe digging month here in the state of Louisiana. we got to take a timeout. When we return, we're talking New Orleans Pelicans basketball. They were unable to clinch a spot in the playing tournament, but they get another crack at it tonight against Sacramento. Breaking it all down for us will be Ali Cassell, our friend from the Bird Rights. That's next, right here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Don't forget to vote on that poll question of the day. It's up. Saints making moves. Now they have two first-round draft picks in the middle of the first round. What are they going to do with it? Take a wide receiver offensive lineman combo? Maybe a wide receiver DB combo? O-line DB combo? Or maybe they're going to use those picks to trade up 
It's not too late to vote on our poll question of the day. Go vote. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. Don't get crazy with it. Be respectful. And respectful to each other. Come on now. It's all about the love. You know who's all about the love? Our third and final guest. Mr. Positivity himself. Despite the Pelicans squandering an opportunity against the Los Angeles Clippers where they could have punched their ticket to the play-in tournament, this man feels that it's going to happen. It's going to happen tonight against Sacktown. To break it all down for us, is the man who covers the New Orleans Pelicans better than anyone else? I said it, and I'm not taking it back. I meant it. From the Bird Rights, the editor-in-chief, Ali Cassell joins us now. Ali, good morning. Good morning, Raymond. How are you? How are you feeling today? Is today the day that the Pelicans punch their ticket to the play-in tournament? Well, it should be, right? I mean, it's not been a given that this team beats every team that has been below them, right, in terms of talent or record. But I think tonight will be the night, right? Let's stay positive, Raymond. Let, let, let's pick yes. up on your vibes about me and say that the Pelicans <laughs> are going to wrap it up today. Wrap it up. Now, break it down for me. Does a win simply get it done, or do they need to win and have the Lakers continue to implode? Now, since the magic number is one, all it's going to take, four games left for both teams, just one more Lakers loss or a Pelicans win. They're in. Outstanding. Now, let's go back to the Clippers game. You had an opportunity. They had already beaten L.A. three times prior, right? They were trying to go 6-0 and overall against the Lakers and the Clippers this year, and they, they, they finally drop a game to the Clippers. Now, the Clippers do have Paul George back. Was that the difference in the game? No, I mean, of course he helped L.A.'s cause. There was a lot of things, I think a lot of factors that played into it. First, L.A. just came out, you know, the team with a better game plan, and they executed it. You saw them by getting all these shots that they wanted. And sure, they started hot. What they do? I think they made eight three-pointers, didn't miss one in the first quarter, and that kind of really just set the tone. And defensively, they said, look, Brandon, we're not going to let you uh, beat us. Same thing pretty much with C.J. McCollum. And so they had they kind of employed the similar defense that the Lakers did, where LeBron, he completely just disregarded his assignment, which was Jackson Hayes. Well, Ibaka Zubac, the Clippers center, was doing the same thing. But guess what? He did it a whole lot better than LeBron. And so that combined with Jonas Valanciunas getting guarded by quicker, smaller guards, um, wing players, the Pelicans couldn't get any rhythm, right? And so they got behind the eight ball. And in that second quarter, they got destroyed 29-13. And like I said, the, the, the Clippers came out there. I don't want to say that they just really want, wanted more to win the game. They just came out more focused, right? And, that, and that's what it takes now. And I'll tell you what, it's a good thing that the Pelicans, for me, I think lost this game like this because it probably opened some eyes um, on the, in that locker room. The Clippers, they might face them in, in the upcoming play-in tournament. So it's important to know that this is the kind of effort that's going to take to even just play uh, – on the same court with a team like an experienced squad like the Clippers. So I don't think it was all 100% negative there. And, and let's not forget, Raymond, Pelicans were coming off two wins that were kind of emotional for him, right? Up in Portland, C.J. McCollum, his first trip back his return. up there since yep. the grade. And then, of course, the Lakers win. Beating the Lakers probably took a bunch out because, look, it, there was a lot of hype for that game. LeBron was coming back, Anthony Davis and such. Let's talk about the Lakers because 
you know, the, the Pelicans have played so well against them and the Lakers are in a free fall and they were supposed to be a title contender this year and whatnot and whatnot. And it, it's not going to happen. But my question to you is this. It looks like the Pels are going to punch their ticket into the playing tournament. But that final spot is going to go down between the Spurs and the Lakers. Which team in a play-in tournament format do you believe gives the Pelicans the most problems? I think the Spurs, first of all, are going to make it. They've got a healthy lead over the Lakers, too, right? Two games up, and then they've also owning the tiebreaker. So it's, it's almost the same scenario as with the Pelicans. I mean, the Spurs' uh, magic number is only two. Right. So the Lakers look pretty much done. And that brings a smile to my face and everybody else here in New Orleans. <laughs> but to answer your question, Raymond, the Spurs scare me. Um, and, and I looked at it for today's uh, preview against the Kings and the Pelicans, they've got to hang on a ninth flat out in their history against the uh, Spurs away in their building. They're six and 32, counting all regular season and playoff games. They're 17 and 25 here. So obviously they'd rather host San Antonio rather than going there where they've had absolutely no luck in beating the Spurs. All right, let's talk about tonight. Sacktown is, well, they're they're the Kings, right? I, I just they're one of the worst ran franchises in the NBA for the better part of the 20 years. Uh, the 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 Vladi Divac years is ooh, that's a long time ago. And it's been, I guess, 20 years. Uh, but this is also one of those games that can be dangerous because if the Pelicans are sleepwalking just a little bit, the Kings could bite them, right? So what challenges does this very bad Sacramento team present to the Pelicans, if any at all? The biggest one to me is similar to what happened in that Portland game to where you have a bunch of young guys, a lot of guys that are just playing either for roles for the following season or just new contracts. So they're not going to lay down. Raymond, they're not going to be like, yeah, we're just going to go out on the court just turn the paycheck. It's not going to work like that. Because um, da- Davion Mitchell, right, he's been playing a lot better. They're rookie. They've still got Harrison Barnes. They've got like three, four other guys that are averaging double figures or close to it. So they've won four of their last six. But that comes with a disclaimer. They've beaten in those four victories just the Pacers, Magic, and the Rockets twice. And they've barely gotten by all of them. So they haven't been world beaters as all or at all. And the Pelicans, if they just play their game, which means defensively getting into the faces of these young Kings and just playing with a sustained effort too. Because look, against the Clippers, the Pels only managed four steals. We know that's not them. They, they always hover at 10 or more. And that leads to their offense as well, right? That gets them going. So if they do that, they'll be fine. Just go to avoid, you know, just like I said, having kind of a letdown. Letting basically the Clipper or excuse me, the Kings uh, stay in this game, something along those lines, just take care of business. You know, Antonio Daniels likes to say, don't play with your food. He's absolutely right. Come out in that first quarter, punch him in the mouth, go up by double digits and just go from there. All right, bud, you're confident that they're going to get the job done tonight. If that's the case, what is Willie's Green's approach with his team? the rest of the way are they still going to be jockeying for positioning in the playing tournament or is it going to be more of okay this guy needs some rest or we're going to let this guy maybe get a little extra minutes what's going to be the approach if they punch their ticket tonight for the playing tournament he's probably going to balance uh both uh sets of responsibilities there 
Look, Valanciunas is questionable uh, for tonight's game, and that, that that guy deserves it. I know he's been nicked up for the better part of two, maybe three months, right, these nagging injuries. And as your center, you need to have that guy healthy because he's been a big key for this team on both ends of the court. So I think that Willie's going to probably maybe give a rest here or two. But I'll tell you what, a person like Brandon Ingram, who's missed you know time on and off consistently through the season, he's probably not going to need it. And that's a good thing because the Pels have to keep on winning. As I mentioned, you don't want to go if the Spurs are the ones that get in the playing tournament, which looks likely. You don't want to go to San Antonio. So you want to stay above them in the standings. And right now, the Spurs are just a game behind. And they've got the tiebreaker. So in essence, the Pels have to, at a minimum, keep up with whatever the Spurs do the rest of the season. So if they go 2-2, two and two, Pels have to go 2-2 two and two to stay in ninth. So you got to keep winning, basically, right? Because San Antonio, they've been playing a lot, lot better over the last month and like I said I, I would I would hate to see them overtake New Orleans in the standings because they've had zero success playing in San Antonio I think it would mean a lot to the city to win a game but to also host a game right let these fans and these players appreciate all this work that they've done in turning a, a season around that nobody foresaw coming all right bud I know it's close it's a close race this year, and it may be one of the closest it's been in a long time. Who do you got as your most valuable player? Jokic. I think I've been committed to him for the last, you know, six weeks or so. He's just amazing. If, against the Pelicans, he averaged a triple-double. He's done it single-handedly all year, right? Jamal Murray was supposed to be back. Porter was supposed to help. but the Porter's barely playing. Like I said, Murray has not. And for Denver to be where they are in the Western Conference – speaks volumes to me no no single player has do, had has been asked to do more than Jokic does your pup agree with your pick or does the pup think it should be someone else like Giannis my pup is thinking about taking a walk and going <laughs> to chase these dogs he sees walking by in the window <laughs> <laughs> Ollie uh, tell the people before we let you go bud what you guys got coming at the bird rights what type of special stuff they can go check out uh, obviously with the website and with the podcast yeah, so uh, we've got, of course, the game coverage today for the Kings. Uh, and then the, if things go according to plan, right, Lakers lost, Pelicans win today, it's going to be all eyes on that upcoming playing tournament. So I'm going to be looking at, of course, the potential matchup, which should be again against the, the Spurs, and go with deep dive. Let's see what odds we should give New Orleans of winning at least one game in that playing tournament. Ollie, appreciate your time, as always, brother. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy tonight. Hopefully your positive vibes will help the Pelicans punch their ticket to the playing tournament, my friend. It's worked so far, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate your time, brother. We'll talk to you next week, bud. Take care, Raymond. We got to take a timeout. Our final one of today's show. But when we return, we'll finalize the poll question of the day. Get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. It's all next. Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Oh, here in Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. Sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So if you or your contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a new fence, a pool, or for any other reason, you run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. What happens then? 
Maybe you only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year, and there's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out and mark the location of those buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple, it's free of charge, and it's law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service and to promote public safety. Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, remind you, call 811 and know what's below before you dig. Final results of our poll question of the day. The producer extraordinaire is tabulating that as we speak. Want to take a moment to thank all of our guests. Jarrett Rozier for all things recruiting. Cole Vanderlick from Louisiana 811. And of course, Ali Cassell, the editor-in-chief of The Bird Rights. We asked you, it's our poll question of the day, all about the Saints. They made that trade yesterday. Now they have two first-round picks. What are they going to do with those mid first round picks at that right now final results 75 percent of you say they are going to take an offensive lineman and a wide receiver 11 percent of you say they will trade up again eight percent say take a wide receiver and a defensive back and six percent of you say they'll take an o-lineman and a db everyone is sharing their mock drafts jpk the od has done his darren has done his Robert Duplishan has chimed in. Thank God for someone with common sense. The national media swears they did this for a quarterback. They better not either get O-line and wide receiver or trade up to get the best wide receiver. The New Orleans Saints in their entire history of the franchise has taken a quarterback in the first or second round of the NFL draft once, and that was Archie Manning. They just signed Jameis Winston. They just brought in Andy Dalton. They're not drafting a quarterback in the first round. If they believe they're only three players away from being a Super Bowl contender, which I feel they feel that way, with everyone healthy coming back, with Michael Thomas, with Jameis Winston, and everyone else, if they feel they're only three players away from being an actual contender, they're not spending a first-round pick on a quarterback that's going to be a project like Malik Willis. Sorry. Just not going to do it. Robert also says, how about since we have two picks, they use one on Jamison Williams and let him heal for most of the season. I have seen the Saints link to him. You know, you're not going to get him back until November. I could see that, especially if you're dealing with a season where Kamara's going to be suspended and others. I don't know. Jamison also may not be there. He may be taken by that time, too. Someone may take a flyer on him beforehand. Derek says... I would prefer them get O-line and wide receiver, but I have a feeling they'll go wide receiver and cornerback then get O-line with their next pick. I could see them do that as well. And Steve makes a good point. Salty Steve with some perspective. You you can't talk good or bad about draft picks until five years after their career is over. That keeps you from looking like an idiot. Right. Like, Adam Troutman has so far been a disappointment at tight end for the Saints, but he could still turn it around. John Stinchcomb is a player that comes to mind that a lot of fans were unhappy with early in his career, and then he finally turned around and became a reliable starter for the team. So, got to pump the brakes there. By the way, later on today, go check out 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a new weekly feature, Get to Know the Game, where you'll find out everyone at the station who their first celebrity crush was and there's some surprises in there i'm just letting you know make sure to check that out later we'll share it on social media as well 
for the producer extraordinaire and of five names. I'm Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next right here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.